where we take a look at the ideas and the questions and the things underneath the text um, for uh, the sermon this coming weekend. So welcome uh, in joining with us. And we have uh, Pastor Brian and Father Tom Early with us. Hello. Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as the slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that, the, that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with scriptures, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake, so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. And our corresponding gospel text is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. The gospel of the Lord. <laughs> 
where I'm thinking about going for the sermon. It's uh, kind of that uh, middle part where it says, talks about, you know, we are uh, treasure in clay jars. And then it moves on to talk about we are struck down, but we're not crushed. We're all of these things that sound horrible, but not quite as horrible as the next thing. And, and so it's like, in, in my mind, I'm going, things are, must be bad for Paul now. I mean, things can't be going well because everything he's talking about is just awful. Um, but yet we still have our faith and our hope in Christ. And we certainly know that it's not in us because we are these broken pieces of pottery. We are this brokenness yet, yet or fragile things, yet God keeps doing amazing things and amazing work uh, in and through them, uh, even though they know that they aren't enough. Yeah, Perry, to, to piggyback off that, I mean, I think that this to me is a sort of Paul Harvey moment in, um, in Paul's writing where, you know, we see part of the story, right? We see part of the story, um, sometimes all too clearly, we see the brokenness of the world, we see uh, we have a painful thing happen to us, we have a really bad week, day, year, relationship, but something that is utterly, completely broken, and we think that that's all there is to the story. But in the context of God's story, in the context of Jesus Christ's life, death, and most importantly, resurrection, there is reason to have hope, because God can do anything with even the most, uh, even the worst things that we can imagine, God can bring about great things. And so I totally, I totally I think, I think I'm vibing with what you're saying. I think, at least that's what I was thinking. But you were making me, when you were talking, that's what I was thinking. Well, Tom, you kind of picked up on a theme that I saw across this about seeing or the eyes or how we look at things or observe things. And that kind of ties in with, uh, with what you were talking about, Perry, too, that the way that we look at things can often be like, oh, my, how could it get worse? Right. Based on what I can see, how could it possibly get worse than this? And yet the next day comes and there's something that you can clearly see to prove wrong. Uh, and there's that, that theme throughout here of seeing. And it ends with uh, verse 18 saying, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. And uh, my, my first question when I got to the end of this was, Okay, how do I look at something I can't see? You know, it's, uh, it, it seems like a strange thing, but I had to go back and read the chapter prior to this one where Paul is saying, you thought Moses was pretty awesome, right? He came down the mountain with a shiny face and those Ten Commandments, and, and ever since you've been saying, man, we love Moses and we love those Ten Commandments, and, and uh, you thought that was pretty awesome. But then he's, Paul is making the case that, Christ's glory shines much brighter than uh, the glory of the law, you know, for those who like to measure things. Um, Jesus gives us a different way of measuring or, or a lack thereof of measuring. Jesus gives us a different way of looking at the world 
and looking at ourselves. And so that's, you know, I, I'm still kind of working that out, but to, to get back to why Paul can say, all these crummy things keep happening to me. How can he possibly look at that differently? I can only imagine is not by looking at the Ten Commandments and, or, or measuring up how his life has gone, but by seeing himself for that, that life or light of Christ. Is that, isn't that how he talks about it? It's not us. It's not how we measure up or don't, but it's that, that light that's shining from within us or through the broken pieces, kind of like you were talking about, Gary. Yeah, so I, I, I guess uh, that helped uh, spin it a little bit for me, you know, because I was I was focusing on, well, it's really bad, but it's not quite as bad as what it really could be. But this is still bad, and this still sucks. Um, yeah, I think I, I think what I heard as you were explaining it is that it's like even though it is bad, we can still find hope in that in that badness. We can still find hope in the misery that we have today because it could be worse it could always be worse and we've got what we need and let's move on you know i was i was thinking about um the anecdote from pastor brian's sermon when he was talking about going to the prison in south dakota and i just think about all the good that that ministry of people going to visit folks in, in jail um, has done for people. And, you know, that's something that we, we, that's in the Bible that we're supposed to go visit people in the, in the prisons, but that's something that we, that's a Christian value that we sometimes forget about. Um, but I just think about, you know, what could God do? You know, what could, what could be possibly good about a crime that puts somebody into jail um, and yet, even but God, the the Lord of the Resurrection, is able to pull good out of anything. I, I just I find I find that to be my cause of hope is that even when it's like there's been there's been desperate times in my life where I've just said, God, what are you going to do with this? And not in sort of like a whimsical way, in sort of a really angry way, like why? I mean, this doesn't seem worth it for you to make some point that you can pull good out of anything. But uh, but God still does, and um, and so I I find myself. That's where I get my hope is that you know God took that that lynching tree of a cross, and now now people around the world wear it around their neck, right? I mean that's basically like the that's like the the noose of the Roman Empire, and now people across the world wear it as a symbol of hope. So that's what. God can do with our most dire situations. Yeah, I, I'm kind of stuck on that that theme of seeing, I guess, but that, I mean, only through Christ can you see something like that in a new light. Or the same thing with the, you talk about uh, the prison situation and somebody who's there. I mean, only through Christ can you, you look at that in a different way. And part of this for me goes clear back to uh, Genesis chapter three, where, uh, it's, it's the serpent saying with, with a bit of truth and then a whole lot of untruth saying, if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened. Yes. And you can be like God. Not really, but your eyes will be open. You know, it's, it's, it's rather quickly noted um, that we don't see things. That we're, we're pretty quick to fail to see things as they are. 
you know, Eve saw the fruit and it looked good. Well, <laughs> turned out that wasn't such a good thing for, for her to eat because again, yes, her eyes were open, but she wasn't meant to be, nor Adam or any of us weren't meant to be in God's seat. We were meant to be his creation. So our, our way of seeing things, you know, it's uh, Luther talks about this a lot that we often call a bad thing good, or we call a, a good thing bad. We get that mixed up easy. So again, I think that's what Paul's picking up here and saying, I could look at all this and say, yes, this is crummy. Um, but it's, it's again, seeing our life, our situation through different eyes, or I guess to go back to what you're saying there, Tom, through the, through the cross to see um, this seems to be a medium in which God likes to work. God doesn't like to work with a, a soft lump of clay and put it together. It seems that he likes to work with broken pieces of pottery and to piece them into uh, something beautiful through which his light shines. God likes a challenge, right? <laughs> um, Perry, uh, Perry, to your point too, I think, you know, when you talk about perspective and seeing um, that classic definition of sinfulness as being one who is turned in on oneself, um, you know, that's, that to me, I think is part of this perspective too, where it's like if all, if all you're do, if all you are is kind of sort of stuck pitying yourself and, and being turned in on yourself and just, you know, wake up every morning and despair about how bad your life is and go to bed the same way, you know, that's a good, that's a good recipe. You know, that's right where the devil wants you. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, if you, if you, but if you're able to, broaden out your perspective, uh, take a different look, then that's when, you know, the world in, in the bigger story can open up. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know if, uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that's in the direction you're thinking or you, or if that's. Well, you, you know, I think so. I mean, in that, in that sense that when we look at us having to do it all, you know, and that's how we look at it a lot of times. Yes. Like, we've got to fix this. We've got to do it. And wow, look at all these insurmountable things that are coming to hit me. And, and we, we literally can't do it. We are that fragile piece of clay pottery that is going to get smashed over and over and over again. But it's God who gives us the power to do and the wisdom and the strength to do the things that we need to do. And I think that that to me is really where this, where this comes out in the end, as we look at the world around us, what is seen is chaos and trouble. And what is unseen is the God that gives us the strength and the hope uh, and the, the ability to move forward in those things that, that look awful. Yeah, I've kind of, the way Paul talks about it, it it's strange because, I mean, it's he's kind of getting excited about, look how broken I am, and that's all the more that Christ shines through, that it's, like you said, it's, that's all the more evidence that it's clear it's not me, <laughs> you know, um, that there's, yeah. that the fact that I'm hopeful, look at my situation, clearly that's not something self-generated. Right. The hope, the hope 
can't can't be coming from me. Um, I remember, I think it was the Prayer Circle or something. It was a book that I think I read some of it a couple of years back or a number of years back. Um, but in it, it talked about needing to circle in prayer those things which we know are so big that we can't do it ourselves. If we pray for something simple, then we can do it ourselves. But we have to take on something that seems so insurmountable and circle that with prayer. And then when it happens, we know it's not us, but it's God. Well, we've got no shortage of those things around right now. I don't know. I'll have to think about it, see if I can come up with an example. <laughs> it's always good to use a real-world example. <laughs> yeah. When in, in your life has it felt like uh, you were that clay vessel and, and God just moved through you and it's like, there's no way that I could do this. This, this had to be God moving and working in me because it certainly wasn't myself. Um, what is dying in you so that Christ can grow in you? or become more alive in you? What is dying in you that Christ can become more alive in you? And are you grieving that death? Because grieving even that is uh, a natural thing, but something, but that death still must occur so that Christ can grow. I want to pull in the, the two things that Paul's lifting up and at least what's coming out for me in, in my reading of this letter to Second Corinthians. So I want you to think first about um, the Ten Commandments. So you shall have no other gods. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember to keep the Sabbath. Uh, honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Uh, don't lie. Don't covet what's not yours. Did I forget anything else there? We'll leave that up to the listener to discern for themselves. Very good. Send me an email about the, the commandments that I missed in that list. Think about those Ten Commandments and think about your life. And if you were to view your life through those Ten Commandments, how do you see yourself? How are you doing according to those Ten Commandments? So that's my first question. And then to think that Christ, to know that Christ died for you in your place, that he would die to remove anything that would come between you and him, you and God, you and your neighbor. How do you see yourself through Christ's eyes? And how do you see other people, I should say as well? <laughs>